Welcome back to OU Live. My name is Rabbi David Pardo. We're really excited to have you here today. Thank you for all the submissions. Um, those of you been writing into OU Live at OU.org, we are uh, really building up a, a relationship with our, um, our listeners, with you. So uh, please keep coming. We have um, a great week. I want you to come back right here Thursday night. We have, um, we have Mayor Kay with us, the Jewish influencer. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. Hope to see you there tonight. Stay tuned a little bit later for Moshe Kinderler, who is uh, the founder of the Jewish Link. Um, a lot to say about Jewish media. Um, but right now, I'd like to welcome my friend, uh, Susan Silberman. Susan Silberman, who is a mind-body eating coach. Susan, how are you? I'm great. Thank you, Rabbi Pardo. Thank uh, you for having me on Live. Oh, it's, uh, it's our pleasure. We're really excited. So, you know, it's very people um, talking a lot these days in general about mental health, um, but also especially now, um, <laughs> uh, a lot of people are experiencing a lot of stress. I don't know if uh, you've noticed. Um, people who have it really good, thank God, I consider myself, I have my health and I have my job. Um, are still experiencing a lot of stress and people, a lot of people don't have their health and don't have their job, uh, one or both. Um, it's a different kind of stress. So mental health is even more uh, in, the, uh, in the dialogue than normal. And, but you, you tackle mental health from a, like a, a psychosomatic perspective. Is that, is that right? That's, that's a good way to put it. I was originally going to pursue a degree in nutrition, the science of nutrition, and realized that I was much more interested in the psychology of eating. Not exactly what we eat, but why we eat. And interesting. So that, meaning one step past eating the right thing is, you know, most healthy people don't need to be told what to eat. They just eat what their body wants. But then the rest of us <laughs> who struggle with food are, what's, what's the gap exactly? Why are, why are so many of us having that uh, difficult time uh, figuring out what it is we need to eat? I think that there's been a disconnect between our minds and our bodies. For example, when you're really, really full, I mean stuffed, and you're still eating something, if your body could talk and your mind would listen, it would probably call out to you and say, that's enough, stop. But we don't do that. We have an override switch. And so we say, I'm just gonna eat this anyway. And there are so many reasons why. Emotional reasons, environmental cues. Oh my goodness, it's noon, I should be eating lunch. It's Shabbos, I always overeat on Shabbos, why not? We have scripts in our head that, uh, that dictate how we, Proceed. Exactly. And if we want to change that, and we can, we have to try something different. So, I mean, may, maybe there's not a good answer for this, but I never have, I never struggle with uh, breathing too much, taking in too much, you know, like, yeah. I read a book that told me I need to breathe. I guess we, I guess there are people who are more conscientious of how they breathe, but it's not as, it's not like people are dying of over breathing. So why is, why is food so different? sure how many people are dying of overeating either. Well, I mean, not dying, but obesity is a, uh, a leading cause of death in this country, right? Well, it leads to other health problems. Right. It can. I, I do want to start by saying that all of what I'm doing comes with an approach called healthy at every size. 
There is a tendency in our society to pick some ideal body shape that may or may not be what our body, given its own will, would want to do. And yes, of course, there is really unhealthy, there are really unhealthy levels of obesity as well. So um, you, I mean, you do workshops, you also deal one-on-one and you, you help people with their, um, with their, their body image and their, and tackling their weight. How, how does, how does that pro, what does that process look like? Okay. So first I talk with them and find out what they do, why they eat, how do they eat, how much do they eat? Do they actually, have they felt hungry in the last 10 or 15 years? Are they aware when they're full? <laughs> Some pretty basic questions. And from there, we build a program where using eating cycles, you know, there are really two main eating cycles besides the ideal one, which is intuitive or instinctive. But beyond that, people either restrict or overeat. Or in many cases, they bounce between the two. Let me go on a diet eat way less than my body needs until I lose it and eat so much more than my body needs and get into this yo-yo between overeating or what we like to call eat, repent, repeat. Right, and the the yo-yo dieting is really bad because most of what you're losing um, on the down isn't isn't body fat, right? It's muscle mass or or water weight or- Exactly, and when you're overeating, you're taking in more fuel. It's like gasoline spilling out. You know, if we didn't have that part that stops us when we fill the car with gas, that mechanism, you're spilling extra fuel all over the place. And that for sure gets stored as fat. Um, so <laughs> so what's, um, what are, you know, what, what do people end up, uh, how does, what does the process look like? What does, um, how do people, figure out what the ideal, the Goldilocks amount of eating is? Well, for example, the first thing we do after we talk about what their values are and how their current relationship with food and body image is impacting their life, sometimes early on they say, well, it's just not that bad. I've always been a little bit overweight. You know, I don't keep people in an eight-week program who realize that they're okay as they are. However, the people who want to make changes, we start by figuring out what their goals are. I'd love it to get a client who wasn't interested in weight loss, but that happens almost never. Never. <laughs> and then the, very- the pastime in this country, I think. The num- number two pastime is, uh, is genealogy. Number one is uh, dieting. Before I answer your question, let me ask you personally, with all the time and effort and perhaps money you spend on dealing with your issues with food and weight, what would you do if you didn't have to think about that anymore? Where would you invest your energy? And I'd probably eat more, like just delicious, like things that I like, I can't afford to go to that restaurant, but I would go to that restaurant. <laughs> I want people to enjoy their food. But one of the secrets is, to let you answer your question, where we get started, is to know when you're hungry. And I always tell my clients, I'm going to insist that you ask yourself, am I hungry? Every time you think about putting a piece of food in your mouth. After about the third session, they say, you know, we really don't like you anymore. I don't want to spend my life asking, am I hungry? I said, but it's just for awareness. And if you're not hungry, you can eat anyway. I'm not the food police, but at least be aware. I'm not hungry and I'm still going to polish off that bag of chips. And then we start to dig into the why. And how, how deep does that why go? 
Meaning, is this is this like feet on the couch? Uh, it was it was the clowns when I was younger. No, I like psychology, but I'm not a psychologist. I previously taught languages, actually, and when I retired, and I had my I had my own struggles with dieting, and not dieting and eat overeating. I decided to study this, and so. Um, it doesn't have to go any deeper than the person wants to. And when it goes really, really deep, I am certainly not opposed to asking if they have a therapist or want or need to see one. But it could be as simple as, I don't know, I, I had a mother who gave me stars for cleaning my plate. That's a hard one to know how to stop when you're full if you only got a star when you finished everything someone else fed you. Right. So they're starving children in India. How dare you not? Oh, it? those poor children. Mine were in Ethiopia, but they were the same children. Just moved to another location. <laughs> right. our, neither of our mothers ever met these children or tried to <laughs> feed them in any way. Of course, she's too busy feeding me. Um, so, OK, so uh, if, uh, if people want to find out more, uh, where should they start? Where can they find you online? OK, they can find me online at www.mbe, that's mindbodyeatingcoach.com. I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all of the social spots that we find each other. And number one tip for people right now who are hearing about this for the first time, but are afraid to open Instagram. Ready? Pat yourself on the back, because when you were stressed, and when you were angry and when you were bored and when you were happy and when you were celebrating and when it was Shabbos, you only turn to food. There are so many worse things that you could have turned to. We don't have to do 12 steps. We don't have to do abstinence. All we have to do is reframe your relationship with food. And as a coach and a retired teacher, I'll give you the information and the support you need to do that. Appreciate that, Susan. Thank you so much for coming on the program. Rabbi, next time you have to let me ask you my questions. Oh, I'm ready. I have the answers. <laughs> Are you ready or you have to cut? I'm, on, I'm actually, if you want to know, I'm on two diets at the same time right now. I'm combined. I'm, I'm, I'm stacking. Um, slow carb, you know, Tim Ferriss's uh, mm -hmm. four-hour body diet. I and every diet. Yeah, and I know. I, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a connoisseur. And intermittent fasting also. Oh, wow, that's the rage. Well, I would like to come back with something. Yeah. A friend of mine asked me what I thought of intermittent fasting. And I said, if it works, go for it. By the same token, I would like to say right here on OU Live, diets don't work long term. It's true. Uh, it's true. I've, I've spent a number of decades uh, <laughs> learning that the hard way. You can lose weight, hmm? but you keep it off. Right. And if you use the tools of your own body's wisdom, your weight will happen where it needs to be. I promise. Inspiring words. All right. Thank well, you so I'll, much. I'll do my best and we'll talk soon, Susan. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. You are on OU Live. My name is Rabbi David Pardo. We just learned a little bit too much about me and, <laughs> and how much uh, I would enjoy uh, some Reese's peanut butter cup here or some combination of carbs and cheese. Uh, but uh, that's not what you're here for. We are, we have a great week coming up. 
Uh, tune in. We have uh, Mayor Kay and some other guests coming in later in the week. We are on Apple iTunes right now. So you can subscribe if nine o'clock is not your jam. Um, if you are um, using 9 p.m. as your Dafyomi slot, we don't want to take that away from you. So you can just subscribe to the podcast, find us there. In the meantime, I'd like to introduce my next guest, Moshe Kinderlehrer. Moshe Kinderlehrer, who is the publisher of the Jewish Link Media Group. It is now a much larger group. Moshe Kinderlehrer, how are you? Good, David. How are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear just fine. You hear me? Yep, perfect. Okay. Um, By the way, I enjoyed your last session about dieting. I have also been on every single one of my advertisers' diets, and she is actually very correct. I do have a rule, though, that there is no such thing as dieting in a pandemic. And oh yeah, it's like Shabbos Kodesh. It's impossible. I, you know what? There there are yechidim that are individuals who are able to rise above, but I, I think the vast majority of human beings, normal, when you're feeling so stressed, it's just it's impossible. I mean, I mean, it's, hopefully people are still able to buy food, but I'm saying most of us thank God are. But uh, you know, if you're able to buy like food in adequate quantities, you're gonna it's gonna be the pandemic 15, and uh, so just. Uh, that's just the way it is. By the way, I heard that she learned too much about you. Uh, don't worry about it. We will not explore David Pardo's personality. If you don't I, I thought you were going to go from like the lens of journalism to uh, to dig deep. Yeah, no, I actually told my wife uh, when this started, I was like, honey, I'm at home. I'm going to gain a lot of weight. <laughs> and, then, and then this started, my face is on TV. So uh, stuck to the intermittent fasting. But uh, it's the easiest diet, I got to tell you. Yeah, it happens to be also, you know, it's interesting for us as Jews who are familiar with the concept of the Tanis, um, you know, we, we we fast multiple times a year. It's something I've thought about. Uh, I have not, you know, joined the bandwagon. And most, I hate to say it, it's because I haven't had an advertiser yet come to me and tell me that they want me to try intermittent fasting and advertise with me as well. When that advertiser comes, I probably will start intermittent fasting as well. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a way to Moshe's heart. But uh, there's no money in intermittent fasting. I don't know anybody making money off of it. <laughs> I have this That's idea. Don't problem. eat. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, the other one, the uh, the guy down at Hardback, Atkins. Atkins came out with a whole line of bars. What are you going to do? You're going to sell, sell not eating for 16 hours. It doesn't work. So, But we're not here to talk about us. No. <laughs> we're here to talk about you. Um, and you're... The, Exact title has changed recently because yep. it was uh, you were you had a stake in different Jewish links, but now there's one Jewish link. Is that right? Correct. So I'll just to, to give you a little bit of a sense of history. So we had for the last four years, um, seven years ago, thank God, we started the Jewish link of New Jersey in March 2013. We started as Jewish link of Bergen County in 20 in on our one year anniversary, if you can believe it, we, we renamed and expanded, we became the Jewish Link in New Jersey. And then within a few months, we started the Jewish Link of the Bronx, Westchester, and Connecticut. And I'll be, I'll be straight with you, actually. The Jewish Link of Bronx, Westchester, Connecticut was never my dream. I love Riverdale, and I love Scarsdale, I love New Rochelle, I love White Plains, and I love Stanford. But my dream was really not those communities. I had a few people close to me. Uh, who said, you know, hey, we've got to serve these communities also. And then actually gets into really, you know, what the Jewish link is all about. Uh, so is. we start, and which, which we'll, we'll talk about. Um, and unfortunately, look, the truth is, as much as I'd like to try to spin it, um, it was, it's coronavirus related a little bit, meaning I, we were publishing a nice biweekly paper, 32 to 48 pages every other Shabbos. 
Uh, we were printing 5,500 copies, doing home delivery to about 2,300 homes in Bronx, Westchester, Connecticut. About half of that was Riverdale because Riverdale is the largest Orthodox community in that area. The glue for that community in many ways, like the, the central institution uh, the binding agent, I like to use the word, is was really SAR, meaning like, what's the, what's the, what's, why do parents in Stanford care about what goes on in Riverdale? Because often they're sending their kids uh, to SAR. So SAR in many ways was the kind of the binding agent academic institution. And uh, we ran this paper for a few years uh, and it was it did a very nice job. But uh, with the coronavirus, we just said, you know what, it doesn't, it does not make sense in the current climate. I, I just want to share with you, there are people who have, who have incomes down, who are down 90, 99, 100%. Thank God for Orthodox media. Um, we're holding our own. Uh, I, I look at, you know, I'm, I'm down about 50 to 50 to 60% from where I should be. Okay. That, 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 that's ad revenue down, that's page count that's down. But there are still places advertised. Many businesses are not functioning normally, but they still know they want to be in my paper. They want to be in papers like ours, publications like ours for Shabbos. And by the way, even more so than, than you think, people are desperate to read. Do you know that in the last, just in the last hour or so, you've gotten like three thank yous saying, thank you so much for printing, okay? And, and, I love it, and it's been a challenge. So what happened? So we're sitting there after Pesach and we're like, what do we do? Do we publish this bi-weekly paper or should we do something more creative? And I said, you know what, why don't we, my editors and I discussed it and we said, well, why don't we just expand it? You know, why don't we just, you know, we had this issue, but by the way, years ago, I don't know if you read our editorial explaining it, but you know, when I started the paper, we were originally Bergen County. And when I said, when we, we talked about going south to places like Highland Park and Edison and West Orange and like, do people in Teaneck and Bergenfield and Angle really care about what goes on down there? Are they even insulted by what's going on in places like Kushner, RPRY? And the lesson I learned is that not only are they not insulted, uh, but our community is so local. We are, no one is more than a degree or two away from each other. Everyone has a cousin in Highland Park. Everyone in, let's say, North Jersey and Fairlawn has, a, has cousins, brother-in-law, sisters, close friends, 20, 30, 40 minutes south of us. And you know what? The same thing applies in Bronx, Westchester County. We all have connections to Riverdale. We all have connections to North Shore. We all have connections to Scarsdale. If we don't, you should. And, and, and if you don't, you probably do, you don't even realize it. And, and we made the decision to expand. What we did is, is basically every other week, we are now publishing an expanded edition of the George Link. It, we're no longer calling, it can't be only the George Link in New Jersey. We're publishing an expanded edition of the George Link. By the way, I bought a new domain name. Uh, we're gonna switch everything over. We're going to no longer be JewishLinkNJ.com. In the next few weeks, we're going to switch to JewishLink.News, okay, which is a, a big change for us. And we're going to be we're we're going to be basically folding in Bronx Westchester Connecticut News into this expanded JewishLink edition. Um, I hope it's a positive thing. It's it, it's it's kind of a mixed thing. It's a little bit bittersweet because, in a sense, they no longer have their own edition. But I'm hoping I, I'll tell you some. The initial feedback has been pretty positive. So uh, we're hoping that it, uh, it continues. Which is uh, a high bar way, in the Jewish community for people to be giving you positive feedback in the first place. What was that saying? That's a high bar in the Jewish community for people to be giving you positive feedback in the first oh, place. Oh, you know what? I'll tell you something. You'll laugh. It's amazing to us. The negative feedback out. We, we, we actually practice. The negative feedback outweighs the positive four to five to one. Okay. We, we actually save all positive feedback in a folder. 
And it's not that long still. No, even after seven years. But it's amazing. It's not true. We get plenty of positive feedback. But we often feel the negative feedback. Some of outweighs it. And you know what? I'll tell you something. I'm not bothered by it. David, I, t- I think I told you when we first met. I went back when I come out of the fundraising world. And a lesson I learned a long time ago in the fundraising world, it took me a while. I could not understand some of my 20s. I couldn't understand even some of my early 30s. But when someone is yelling at you, Someone is screaming at you that you messed something up, you did something wrong, you didn't take care of them properly. It's a crazy lesson, but you know what? It actually, I, I got to the point where I could even smile when someone's screaming at me. It means that they care, that they care about you, they care about the institution that you represent. That's actually a good thing, as long as you listen. And by the way, one of the nice things about my business is I can almost always do makeups. Yes, I can make a mistake and we can screw something up and, and, and people will be upset, but you know what? I'm printing every week. I have a chance to make it up to that person. I have a chance to put that person's institution on the cover in a week or two or five months. I, I can make it up to that person. And if 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 someone feels that they're listened to and, and I respond properly, I, I you know what? I can be their best friend. That was actually the big lesson to me in, in the fundraising world was that, you know, these people who are screaming at me oftentimes are my best friends because we've kind of been through the, the trenches together because they, they, they fought. They become my best friends later on because we, we shared some tough times and came through it. They're, they're, they're our best friend. It's the same thing, by the way, with, with the newspaper on the advertising side, on the content side, and, and as well on, on the on the business side as well. So there's, I mean, that, that's a fascinating story right there. What I, always strikes me whenever we talk about the link is how much a newspaper is part of a community. Uh, every, every Friday, I'm out there on my stoop and I'm picking up my portal to the rest of the Jewish world. And it's something that I take for granted completely. I will admit freely to you. It's just obvious. And it's it's been there as long as I've lived in New Jersey, now, you know, approaching three years. But it wasn't always that way. And it, and now it's something that we take for granted. But it's something that how did you, you're you're sitting in the world of fundraising in YU, like uh, an essential service is uh, the language we would use now, Bismanazet, <laughs> something very important. How did you decide like what's missing? What's not there is a Jewish newspaper. That's what we need. It's like something that I take for granted now, you saw as an obvious missing component of the of our Shabbos life. Oh, so the answer is, is um, it's a good question. Um, I have the Jewish link story, of course. I've told it a number of times. Uh, the first is that you have to be absolutely mature. You have to be a little crazy, okay? You, do not, you cannot be sane and be and to start a newspaper. So that's... That's one. So I guess in a little, in a sense, I guess I have a little bit crazy, but but more seriously speaking, um, I've been in the, the the North Jersey teenage community now for almost twenty years. And one of the things that struck me is I'm I'm a paper guy. I've always been a paper guy. I grew up in a home where you know my father and I we would read through the Jewish Press, uh, Jewish Action, Newsday, Times, Beyond, uh, you know the news. You you name the paper, we were reading it and. And when I got to Teaneck, I'm like, there was only one paper. And it was a secular paper that, you know, I felt was just like it was not doing its job. And it's a fine paper. It was not, it just didn't feel like it was covering the Orthodox community like I know the Orthodox community could be covered. You have to understand about seven, eight years, about 10, about 10 years ago is when I got the idea for the paper. I looked at the five towns. I always, I always tell this to people. Five towns has not one, not two, but three free weekly papers serving the community. Okay, and I said to myself, if the five towns has three papers serving the Orthodox community, why can't we in North Jersey have one? And 
I kind of, you know, it's interesting, you know, when I went around selling the paper, the concept, I, I would bring with me copies of the Five Towns Jewish Times. And I said to them, I'm going to bring a paper like this to our community. Our community needs this. By the way, people thought I was absolutely crazy. Okay, literally, they thought I was insane. Who in the hell, who in their right mind would start a newspaper in 2013? Who? They thought I was insane. And I'm like, all the whole time, I'm like, what are you talking about? I know it's working. And I see it in the five towns. I see it in the Haredi community. I see it in Lakewood. Okay. It's going to work. Okay. And, and you just got to believe me. And I'm going to work really hard. Okay. By the way, I almost died in my first two editions because I, I couldn't stay up. I had to stay up. I did everything in the first edition or two. I, did, I was the editor. I was the, I, I, it was took me two all nighters just to finish each edition. And I, I just I physically couldn't do it. Um, but thank God, you know, we've grown. So this is the community I felt needed a hyper-local paper, uh, its own. And by the way, I also felt that the community was really strong enough here in Bergen, at least to start. And uh, thank God we've just grown and grown. And I will say the Jewish link, um, whatever you want to call it, I, I believe that our paper is the leading paper for the, whatever language you want to use, centric Orthodox, modern Orthodox, mainstream, you know, whatever language you want to use. Um, I believe that my paper, our paper is, is kind of like we are the leading, a leading voice. And by the way, I think we're doing a good job also to write part of for yourself. I'm saying we are doing a good job of just covering what's going on in my local schools, my schools, my taxes, you know, you know, my Rabbanim, my, you know, my rabbinic account, what's going on. And it's, you know, what's going on in my schools. And by the way, you should know, I go crazy with the schools and sports. Unfortunately, I don't have as many now. And I go crazy. And by the way, the other papers think I'm crazy too, but they don't realize that every single teacher, parent in the community has a reason. They know that every single issue, there's a chance and a good one that their kid, their neighbor's kid, their grandchild, their neighbor, their friend, you know, their relative could be in that paper. And My eldest daughter like freaked out when it was her. She was so excited with the whole shot of this. <laughs> and I want you to know that those kind of interactions are, they build. Um, when I, lo I love walking around the community on Shabbos. I actually walked around, mostly socially distanced this past Shabbos. And, and you know, it's just amazing. You know, I, th that's where some of the, that's where the positives and the negatives kind of like, you know, half and half, 50-50, because I, get, I still get a lot of negative critiques on different things. Um, but it's, it's been, it's just been, a, it's really been amazing. And, and I like to think that the paper is in a way, you know, we know what a newspaper is. A newspaper is also where the first, uh, you know, where the, you know, I guess where the, where the, we're a primary source, you know, we're the beginning of history, so to speak. But I, I think it's much more, I, I think we are in many ways, by the way, when people from outside our community look at my paper, by the people from outside the Orthodox community, when they see our paper, when they see 10 page school section, they are a little stunned. They're shocked. The narrative of the American Jew is a vanishing community. When, when I showed them my paper, they're like, they're blown away. They're like, what the heck is going on? Who knew that there were so many, uh, who knew that the community was so vibrant, you know? And, and in many ways, you kind of need a paper like mine to, to bring it all together. And, and by the way, there's a lot of work involved. We have a great team, a lot of editors. Uh, I still work too hard. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, you know, basically I'm always on. And, uh, and that's why dieting is hard, by the way, just to let you know. Um, but uh, the way it's, of coping it's, with the stress. Yeah, and and, and then by the way, I was actually you should know I was actually great. I was down 25, 30 pounds up until the pandemic. Okay. Do you want me to now bring I Susan probably, back on? We could do a, a panel. We could. No, I don't want to. Uh, don't worry about it. I'll, I'm not, my hope is my, actually, you know, my hope is that I get back to a, we get back to a place where I'm, you know, I'm I'm not in like you know worry mode. And by the by the way, you know, we're still fighting. We're still publishing. Um, I worry about my printer, you know, disappearing. Well, I'm very worried about the secular paper printers, like. Because we have Shabbos, 
but the secular publications, I worry about them. Like, you know, we religiously, we need for 25 hours, we need our paper, we need our, our printed word, you know, what do we do? But I'm like, I'm very concerned about our printer, but almost all the front publications are all very, very nervous about our printers. For example, many of them in the business use the Daily News, their printer. We're watching as the Daily News' daily circulation goes down and down. I don't use the Daily News, but I'm saying we're watching as they're, we're just, we're just concerned about these, if they, they, they disappear, they will disappear overnight. And I'm just saying, it's, it's a very big concern. There are many, many concerns in the business about the, about you know the future of print and, and how, how we as firm publica orthodox publications are gonna be able to handle. Yeah, uh, who, someone just wrote, I thought it was fascinating. The, uh, you know, the litmus test was the, the Zoom Starum. The fact that everyone came out against the Zoom Starum said a lot about the future of where we're gonna be and certainly a lot about what we're gonna be reading in the uh, in the you know coming decades, that uh, papers like yours are going to be more and more important, uh, or just as important. Um, I'm trying now that with the libraries closed, I'm trying to get my kids into Kindle books because uh, I can't afford <laughs> to keep. <laughs> I can't do it. It's not working. The Kindle books isn't working. I have a big bibliophile. You know what? I I I I'm, I actually do most of my books online, but I actually buy my kids. You know, we, you know, I, I called up today, Kaus, and said. You gotta get, by the way, I recommend a great book. I don't know how old, how old your oldest, David. Sorry, my, oh. old, my oldest is eight, but you know, took yeah, a lot. Love, I love the Kids Speak series by Simon Walder. I don't know if you, I don't know if you get just like the, the, if you get that kind of stuff, they're great. Kids Speak, Kids Speak, Simon Walder, excellent. You know, I shouldn't say this, but I, I'm desperately trying to get her into Harry Potter because <laughs> like it's. A, it's very popular, and B, it's like so much bang for your buck. It's a lot of book. But I don't know if you remember, the first 100 pages are terrible, and I I think it's because I want her to get into it that she doesn't want to get into it. She's pushing back. Like, I don't want to. Have to By the way, if your kid is going to be a reader, they'll find they'll discover Harry Potter on their own. Um, <laughs> I, I actually, I, I, I do not know a single case of parent-induced Harry Potter, you know, philia. I just, I'm saying it's always comes from the kid. I mean, that just, just it, doesn't, it doesn't happen. It's not going to work, David, if you do it. Sorry. Would you, with everything that you've gone through in the past, uh, you know, close to a decade, you, if you knew that, if you knew what you knew now, back then, would you do it again? Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I'll tell you something. I, uh, I, I kind of went through, I, I started the paper when I was 40. Um, you have to understand, I was at a, I was a, I was a fundraiser at each university. You can't get bigger than, you, you know, I, I look at the, the Yankees. university as like, as like the Yankees in, our, in the orthodox world. You just can't get bigger. So I, here I was, I was reporting to the boss, the head of institutional advancement at East University. And, and the main issue for me was, oh my God, I did not want my boss's job. I'm like, wow, I, I, I just didn't want my boss's job. I don't want to get into all the reasons why, but all of a sudden, everything I, everything I you know, thought about, I thought I was going to try to make a full career in, in fundraising. I just I, I had to shift gears. Here I was at Yeshiva University. By the way, I'm a, a Yu Musmach. For those who know me, one of my jokes is that I'm a retired rabbi. Um, and, and, and here I was at kind of like the, where I really wanted to be. And I didn't, want my, I didn't want my boss's job. Now, by the way, almost all fundraisers have a retirement job. Okay, me, meaning fundraising in many ways is like a sales job. Very, you, it's very hard to do sales at a high level for more than 20, 30 years. So almost everyone has to think about what they're going to do for retirement. Because I, I used to be very literary, I still am fairly literary, I always thought I'd be a publisher. Okay? I, always, I always wanted to be a publisher. But what's happened over the last 25 years is you cannot be a living as a book publisher. Publishing has really changed today. 
So I switched gears, by the way, to a uh, to to a, to a newspaper, and and the answer is yes, I would do it. This, I would do it again. Um, I, you know, I, I feel, you know, I'll tell you something. It's interesting. I knew everyone before. I was still, you know, I, I still was involved in the community in, in different levels. Um, what's actually nice for me today is is now all the people I used to ask for money, they're coming to me now because I can help them with their with their most uh, with their institutions and, and we work together and it's actually so nice for me because some of the relationships that i have as a fundraiser now it's it's a little bit more even it's a little more equal but we're still able to do great stuff together uh, among my jokes by the way is i actually do more fundraising now than i did even as a fundraiser okay i'm still involved in organizations like friendship circle and has and yachad and so on and so forth so that's that's kind of been one of my jokes i really you really can't get away from fundraising in our community and and we're going to need fundraising in the next year or so once once we get over this uh, crisis as well. So uh, that's that's, sure. that's that's for sure. There's going to be a, a real need for for some rebuilding and restructuring. Yeah. Uh, so much uh, so much more to talk about. If people want to find you online, they want to be in touch, talk to you on social, advertise with you. How do they find you? So the easiest way is to find me to go through the website. But I, you know, I'm happy to give out my my phone. I'm happy to give out my email. It's really easy to find me. Mo, Moshe K at JewishLinkNJ.com. That's going to change as I told you before, but for now it's Moshe K at JewishLinkNJ.com. Uh, the phone number's on the website also, 201-366-9102. Uh, and, and I have a lot of great stories. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you about the time I, you can tell you about the time I almost died a second time uh, after starting the paper. And uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of great war stories. Uh, mostly, by the way, I tell these war stories to make sure that no one else would want to start another paper, a competitor paper. There you go. <laughs> I just want to, I just my want advice to everyone watching is don't get into the paper business <laughs> i just want to impress upon how you really have to be a little bit a little bit crazy to, to do what i do so uh so that's why i kind of share some of these stories but uh you know it's really all good um it, it hasn't been easy no uh has it been perfect no um it's our community is special and yeah um i, I really enjoy my seat at the community i'll, I'll tell you something, i know exactly what all our businesses are doing even now Business, two business call me. They say, Moshe, we want to reopen. I said, great, let's do it. I'll give you a free email address. Let's go. Let's get let's get back out there. Um, I'm hearing from some of the food places that they're hanging in there. You know, they're still doing delivery and take and They never thought about it. Um, it's just, you know, it's just amazing. Some people have given up completely, but the majority of our community, they're, they're looking. We're trying. We're, you know, just, we're, 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 we're just, we're kind of pushing. Just in many ways, just like this, what you're doing now, my partner. Uh, is is just a kind of in a way you know people are looking for content they're looking for good things hopefully good things to watch so you know I, I like that I, I always I'm an entrepreneur and I you know I, I like work I like being with entrepreneurs I just love it and I'm I like covering it I like us writing about it and I just you know I just like seeing how the community is surviving. I heard a beautiful word from uh, Rabbi Rabbi Sachs that the word in Hebrew for disaster is shever. Shever is out of destruction. The word for birthing stool is mashbear. It's the same word. So yeah. um, as 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 many horrible things as are happening right now during this time, and and there are, and you can't underplay that, there's a lot of silver lining that's coming out of it. And I think the uh, people looking for creative ways of creating new content is uh, is one of those that we're gonna remember uh, during this time. So yeah. You're uh, you're totally right about that. Um, I want to hear the uh, the time. Uh, I want to hear about the time that you almost died a second time. But we're gonna have to say that for the sequel. Uh, you know, you know what they say in the business. You gotta keep people wanting. 
course, absolutely. And by the way, you should have thank you very much for for having me on. It's uh, I will I will try to watch now. And uh, sorry that I didn't watch before, but uh, I just appreciate the opportunity. So, uh, and by the way, you will you will like the story of how I almost died a second time. I promise you that. All right, maybe for lunch or maybe on a sequel. Moshe, thank you. Hasla. Pleasure. Okay. Talk to you soon. This has been another episode of OU Live. Stay tuned this Thursday for episode 15, confirmed guest Mayor Kay. Uh, you have suggestions, you have content you'd like us to feature, you have a funny meme, OU Live at OU.org. Stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you soon.